Blessings. This is Pastor Walter and Maribel Arias welcoming you to the podcast of God of Covenants Christian Center. We hope this time is a blessing for you. Make sure you subscribe to get new messages every week. Enjoy the message and embrace what the Lord has for you. This week, the message is titled Refreshing Times by Pastor Walter Arias. Every day, the world situation is more chaotic. Earthquakes, active volcanoes, floods, tensions of war, and wildfires. In the midst of all this grief comes refreshing times. The Word of God offers us a word of hope. Let's listen to the message, and may God bless you. If you join me there in prayer, I would appreciate it. Good God. And Father of all of us, we give you thanks for the opportunity to be able to come here and worship and exalt you. And Lord, for the new beginnings, the determinations in our hearts, Lord, the resolution that strikes us continually that we have the best in the year, Lord. And I put before you, Lord, my life of those of my brothers and sisters crying out for an ear that is awakened. And Lord, and desiring your word for my brothers and sisters and for me, an opportunity of boldness of your Holy Spirit to speak as it suits. And not only so that this place be filled of your knowledge of your word, but also in the places where this gets to, in different places through the internet, Lord, in other places. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and the whole church of the Lord says, Amen. Blessed be the Lord. When, when we thought in all the things that are happening, or myself, I think that you've had an opportunity of time to meditate of everything that is happening worldwide. It doesn't stop that are things that are make us makes a work like a work that confronts us, that puts us to analyze the life of how everything is, the chaos that exists, and sadly, every day the worldwide situation is more difficult. Some people say, oh, what happens is that now there's communication means that are more effective, but the calamities and the problems have always existed. That's a type of thesis, but that thesis is dropped when we see the floodings that are so great with, and it's a reality that the earth is groaning The word says it's groaning for cause of the need of restoration. And it's almost like the land is speaking of something. And we can't be indifferent of what we have spoken about, of the earthquakes in Puerto Rico, of the volcanoes that are active. I have a series of that I follow of documents that whatever happens every month. And I've been following for about two years. And every day, every time it's increasing. So I'm interested in the calamities in all the different places of what is being registered. The active volcanoes, the floodings in all the places. Those that watch the news, those that like to investigate a little bit of this world calamity. It's more chaotic every time. The fires in the Amazons, we can't forget because now we're speaking of something that is known as like is the lung of the earth. You know what the lung is, that we need that to breathe. And for political resolution, to give land, or, or there was a fire, whatever it may be. But the truth is that every time 
that lung is getting smaller. And that has to be and have consequences, not only with nature, but with everyone. Now, all that, what has happened in Australia. How, how many are uh, of the day of the fires in Australia? So Australia is a continent. We're not speaking of a small little country. It's a continent, a whole continent. And this is tremendous. It's for all places. The satellites are showing a red zone, the flames everywhere. There's not a human way to turn it off. There's no technology. There's nothing existing to turn it off, to put it out, rather. And the millions of extinction of, of animals, the small little kangaroos, all burnt because they didn't have where to go. The cows, all, everything, every type of... Everything has been wiped out and put on that, the loss of families, their houses and the families that have died. Some cities like Sydney completely in smoke. The disease that now comes, all the type of like lung diseases or breathing diseases, and what comes is tremendous. What they're going through is great. The animals that didn't die from the flames, they they died by asphyxiation. So we can't stop or not see that it's a reality. So in all that calamity, it's also true that that hundreds of thousands of animals were rescued and hundreds of thousands of people were rescued. There's a part, the good part of a human person rescuing a, a, a woman. He takes out and he goes into the middle of the flames to take a koala bear, a baby one, I think, burnt and everything. His his ears, his face, his nose, his legs, and everything. And even he embraces it. Full of blood, that animal, he embraces him in his clothes. And he puts him in his car. Hundreds of people. A great amount of volunteers. Firefighters and volunteers of other countries that have gone to that place. The community in general. All taking out the best of themselves to help in that calamity. It's a calamity that is so great. Also, you see those times of refreshing times. Don't you think that in the midst of that chaos, there's something refreshing? There's a rest. And I want us to turn off the lights for a moment and allow me to show you the images. But I need to be conscious of those that don't know. And we continue then with the topic. The Word of God also shows words. Scripture shows of refreshing words for a society that is walking mistaken, a society that is mistaken with respect to God. Because there's something that the human being has had is that they have been mistaken with respect to God and with the things of God. And that's why the arrival of Jesus Christ, because society and the community is in that time is very mistaken with respect of God. They had religion, but they didn't have the Savior. They needed the gift of heaven, amen? They needed that refreshing that God wanted to send, which is Jesus, and there's hope. In the midst of everything that we saw, there's hope. There's people that go in advancing, those that went in to rescue the animals, there's people doing something, because in the middle of all that tribulation, there's hope. And it's the same thing that the Bible speaks of in spiritual terms, when the human being that is preferred to live in the consequence of fire and asphyxiation of sin, in which is the consumer of their lives, there's then 
mercy and hope from God is extended. And the title today, the preaching has a title as Refreshing Times. And in the book of Acts, gives us a historical register that is very good and very important and maybe not read a lot. I don't know how many of you have read it or studied it, but I want you today that the word brings a teaching to everyone, a teaching that is very general, that is opportune for each and every one of us that are here. And it's the book of Acts gives a historical record of something that is permanent, something that happened, something that was for some, but it's permanent. And with this, I refer to the rejection of Jesus because the ancient people rejected God. Those that were called to operate in the laws of God and to teach the word of God, they they turned their back to God in their time. But today, humanity continues giving their back to God. So this is why something that is historical and permanent, the rejection of God. And also we're going to see there's a clear demand, a clear, emphatic demand to repentance. To the ancient people, they were told to repent. And today, we're still told to repent. And tomorrow, there'll be a preaching for the generation that's coming of repentance. And in that portion that we're going to study, there's also a glorious hope. Not only for those in the ancient times, but that glorious hope is for us that are exposed to the gospel. And assuredly, it's going to be a glorious Hope for those that are coming from future generations that they're going to be speak of the glorious hope, which is Jesus. And also, there's a painful consequence in which it was spoke. Paul spoke to them, and we're going to read it, to those who rejected Christ. There's a truth for today that those that reject Christ, and there's a truth for the future generation if they reject Christ. In the midst of the chaos, in the middle of difficulty and everything that's chaotic and all the calamity that there is, there's always hope. Hope. There's always time of, and I want us to go to the Bible if you're so nice. In the book of Acts, chapter 3, let us read verse 11 to 26, where we're going to be seeing the teaching of this morning. Amen. <clears throat> the word of God says there, verse 11, and allow me the context of those that are not familiar with this. Peter and John had been on the porch of Solomon, and there was a lame man from birth who they said, we don't have gold or silver, but what we have, we give you in the name of Jesus. Rise, and that man rose up, and he started to jump, and he entered into the temple to worship. You remember that story. But what happens there is something very special. The people that were there in that time in the congregation there, they grabbed Peter and John and with a lame person, and they, made, they took him because they were so marveled with what was happening. And then this is the portion that comes now. And it says, And now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, the lame that was healed, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied. Who you what? Who you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. <clears throat> but you denied the Holy One and the just, and ask for a murderer to be granted to you. That in exchange 
Who's the murderer? Barabbas. Verse 15. And what does it say? Say it. And killed the prince of life whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And in his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, listen what he says here. I know that you did it in an ignorance as you did also, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer. He has thus fulfilled. And read verse 19 in a loud voice, please, with me. Please. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, what did Moses say to the fathers? The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him, he's going to raise up a prophet. Him, speaking of Jesus, he says, you shall hear in all things whatever he says to you. Allow me there. Moses spoke, saying, As God raised me up in this generation for you, in the future God is going to lift up a prophet so that you listen to him. So Moses prophesied of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Verse 24. And all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many have spoken, they have also foretold these days. And we all are the prophets... Yes, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our father, saying to Abraham, and in your seed all the families on the earth will be blessed. To you first, God having raised up his servant, Jesus sent him for what? To bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Of your iniquities. Allow me, let us speak of a few things here. In Acts 3.19, it says... Repent, therefore, and be converted. There's two things then to do, and two things that are going to arrive as a consequence as a repentance and a conversion. Repent, therefore, and converted, that your sins, let me leave that verse 19 up, please, that your sins may be blotted out, so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That's where I want to make the study, or part of it. Two demands, and, and two consequences as a result of those demands that God is making or that Peter announced. Repentance and conversion brings as such the forgiveness of sins and refreshing times. Today has a topic as what? Refreshing times. So Peter, in that moment where they heal the lame in the porch of Solomon, he's taken with John and all the people are marveled and Peter exhorts that community of Israelites that came to worship in the temple, he exhorts them to repentance. And he says why they have to repent. Listen well. This is a very special teaching for the church. Why, why do they have to repent? Or what do they have to repent of? The first thing is, 
of delivering Jesus in verse 13, delivering up Jesus. Verse 13 says, the God of Abraham, of Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you, what? Delivered up. So the first thing that he says, Peter says, is to repent of what? That they delivered up Jesus. Who? To the Gentiles. What Gentiles? To Rome. To Pontius Pilate, the governor. You have to repent. Israelites that came from all the places of the world to worship God in this temple, that you come here to consecrate yourselves, that you come to this celebration, this great celebration, to who died, the first thing is that you delivered him to a pagan. You gave it to a Gentile, to polite, to Pontius Pilate, and repent. What a great preaching. He said something to their hearts. You delivered him up. The other thing, he says, you denied him. He says, and denied before Pontius Pilate. Not only did he deliver Jesus, but they also denied him. They said, that's not the prophet that Moses spoke about. That's not the prophet that they told us about. That's not the Messiah. Not, they only deliver him, but now they deny him. And a week before they were what? Worshiping him. And they would say, Hosanna to the son of David. And they worshiped him while he came in the donkey on the city. Are you with me? <clears throat> before Pilate, with a few weeks, <clears throat> many days before they were doing that. So the first thing is they have to repent of delivering up Jesus. And the second is denying Jesus. The third is asking for a murderer in exchange. How interesting. Look, he says, not only do you have to repent of being of denying him, of delivering him up, but also exchanging. They change his life for death. They change one that was just and good for a bad one. And they gave him that one one. While the one that was giver of life, they gave him death. And in the end, they says to repent for killing him. In verse 15, it says there, And you killed the prince of life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. So Peter and John and the disciples have gone through when what was Pentecost. They started to speak new tongues. So the people had converted. Now they were in Jerusalem because the preaching first had to be within the Jews. And when they started to have miracles like that miracle now, now he comes to a new generation, not to the 3,000 that were baptized in, in the first infilling of the Holy Spirit, but now this new generation that continues arriving, continues arriving. And he says to them, you need to repent because the Christ you delivered him up you denied him you exchanged him for a murderer and you killed him repent repentance is important in that equation of being a Christian repentance is not is not regret many times we, we suffer regret do you know what regret when you do something bad and you feel that you did something bad but you don't change your mentality with respect of what that bad thing is what Peter is saying that you have to change your mentality your mind repentance means changing your mind so he's saying you have to change your mentality with respect to Jesus Christ who went to the cross who you sent to the cross he's saying he was not a false prophet he was the the prophet. He was not just anyone. He was the son of God. You have to change your mentality. You were waiting for another one and that you're waiting for already arrived. And you took him to Pilate. Change your mentality, your mind 
repentance is necessary as an application, I say to you, in our lifestyle, if we say that we're in Christ, we have to repent ourselves. And what is to repent? To change our mentality, our mind, before the things that we're doing that are bad. And I'm not going to get into detail, but at least not now. In the things that we do bad, because the Holy Spirit is so great and so wonderful, and the conscience that He has given you is so good, and the word that you get to read when you're reading is so clear that you know what God is saying to where you need to change your mind. Is it true? Are you with me? Lift the hands if you know that God is saying to you to change your mind against a bunch of things. Blessed be the Lord. Repentance is not a regret because regret brings sadness, but it doesn't bring change. You could be, you can, you could feel painful of something that you did, but you continue doing it. So what is that called? That's called regret. Now, repentance takes, it takes life. And there's a biblical text in the New Living Translation. I looked at in a different New Living Translation where it's more clear. And I want you to read it here on the, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, with respect to repentance. This is from the New Living Translation. It says, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. I'm gonna leave it there. I'm gonna I'm gonna explain well so that you can compare it with the version that we use here, the New King James version, and you can see that it's more explained here. But I'm gonna tell you the portion of how the New King James says. So it says here, so for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin. So he's saying that the type of of repentance that comes from God leads us away from sin. That's what it's saying here in this version. The type of of repentance, of repenting, is what makes me, leads me away from something in which that I'm doing wrong. And then it says, and it brings as a result salvation. There's no re- regret in the King James, uh, New King James, it's, there's no regret. It says it leaves no regret, so it's very limited. So there's nothing to regret that I repented of something that was taking me to life because I don't have to re- I don't have to repent of something that brings me to life. I have to give glory to God and joy that the pain that I felt for a sin took me to look for God and took me out of death. So you don't have to be repentant of that. You're in the path of the Lord. You can't lament that you started to congregate. You can't lament that you started to know God. No, this should bring you joy because you're changing your mindset. You're changing your thought process. And the sadness of the world, although when we have regret, is what God doesn't want us to have because regret brings me to continue on that path of death. I'm going to read it once again. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of... I don't have to lament because of that. 
for that type of sorrow because it's something that God produces in us and as a pain when we're doing something that's wrong. It's a pain towards us and towards others and towards him himself. And he says, I don't need to regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. It's to say that who is maintaining himself in sin and with, and is with regret, he's still walking in death. That's what the word is saying. If you, if we only, oh, I'm, I'm doing bad. I did something bad. I sinned again. Oh, I'm sinning. Oh, God, you know that I'm sinning, Lord. I love you, but you know that I'm, I continue sinning, Lord. So then it's a pain, right? But it's not conformed to salvation because I continue doing it. It's a regret, but there's no repentance. Is there anyone with me? In exchange, in the day that you say, Lord, forgive me. And as I said here, and we say here for the new ones that came, and you fall to the floor, and you start to cry, and the snot comes out of your nose, and you fall there, and you're crying up and down, and your tears are coming out from everywhere, and you're there thrown on the floor, thrown on the floor, and it hurts you, and it hurts you, and it hurts you of the bad things that you're doing. If that point doesn't come that you say, oh God, how sad with you. This has killed me. This is killing me. I'm not going to do it ever again. Now is where you entered into repentance. The rest is, oh Lord, you know that I'm weak. We start with the excuses. Oh Lord, you know that I'm weak. Oh, I said I'm in a process. Lord, I'm in this walk 55 years since I know you, but I'm in a process. When... Are you going to finish the process? Lord, you know that I just, 18 years in the gospel. When are you going to come out of that? What God has said that told you you got to leave from. While we don't hate sin, we will not leave sin. And while we don't love God more than sin, then we're not going to go towards him. Repentance is not a pain that takes us to death. It's a pain of the soul that I'm wrong, I'm wrong, that I damage the people around me, that they suffer and I suffer, that I asphyxiated because of the flames of sin, that I'm burning myself, that I'm being consumed, that I'm melting emotionally, that I'm melting my integrity for sin. And those that are here around me are seeing it and they're suffering it and helps me so much. And the mercy and grace comes near you, embraces you, and starts to bring cream on you and water. And that's the refreshment. Secondly, is to turn away or to convert. For the times of refreshing times, the first thing I have to consider is what? Don't scare me. Read it there. For refreshing times, what is the first thing I have to do? I have to repent of what? Say, like they say, by my fault. And because they taught us by my fault. And for my great fault, hit yourself. So I have to repent I have of my sin. But you hit your chest, let it do it. What do I have to repent of? Of my sin. Because I'm looking at the sin of others. And I stop looking at my portion, my participation in the human chaos that exists. Because we don't have to go and turn a fire in a woods so the continent is inflamed. But with my lifestyle, I start a 
woods, uh, 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 forest in my house or within me or within my community. I start a fire in the local church where I'm at for my actions that are damaged and damaged lives. And while we don't understand it like that, we won't change. Because we're looking how this brother sinned or that sister sinned. Oh, look at that. Look at that person. And where's me? Can you hit yourself once again? Touch yourself. It's a therapy. I take you with the therapy. There's some that doesn't copy, not even for that. Hit yourself. And no, I'm, I'm so rebellious. No one here is going to manipulate me. So I'm teaching you something so you can get to understand it in your mind. For my sin. So for refreshing times, I have to what do? First is repent. Secondly, is to turn away or convert. Turn away or convert. And it says there, to you first, verse 26 in Acts 3. To you first, God having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you. In turning away every one of you, what? From your iniquities. The word to convert, it's misused or misunderstood, or perhaps you know it. To convert is literally means is to turn away to now look at God. Because our lifestyle, let us say that God is here. His presence is here. His things are here. So God is here. His form is this way. His will is this. And I, I ignore all that. Or I don't understand it. Or for ignorance, because I was growing in this land without understanding God, because I uh, raised in a community where they didn't speak to me about God. So all of that, I don't do it. So now I'm giving my back to him. Yes, my back. And I need to repent to hurt myself so much. What is damaging me, everything, what is in, everything in my life, that's what's bringing me death. And when it hurts me, then I say, and I return. That is called to convert. That now you go face in God and you start to embrace the things of God. That's conversion. It's to turn away, it's to give your face. The Israelites should now accept who? Remember, they spoke of the Messiah, the Messiah that was going to come. Moses had told them, the prophets had spoke of him. They grew up with that. They read it in the synagogues and all the time. They knew that the anointed one was coming. They prayed for him. They wanted restoration of Israel. They wanted it to be go as a nation. They didn't want to have political yokes or military above them. They want all the power. They wanted everything. God is speaking to them of the king and savior. When he arrived, they gave him his their back. And Peter's saying, change your mind. That's why he says, repent. That's why he says, clearly, you delivered him up. You denied him. You exchanged him for a murderer and you killed him on the cross. Change your mentality with respect to Jesus Christ. So they had to feel pain. And as that first infilling of the Holy Spirit, that 3,000 were like baptized. When they said, what shall we do? And he says, repent and be baptized, each and every one of you, in the name of the one that you rejected. That's why he says, baptize in the name of Jesus. And that's why he didn't say of the Father or the Holy Spirit, because they already knew the Father and the Holy Spirit of God that dwelt in the prophets. But who did they reject? To the Son of God. That's why he says, change your mentality with respect to the Son. So they were baptized like 3,000. So now to this new public that he's preaching, he's saying the same thing. 
repent of all this and now turn away, convert. Because where who comes into the heart, it's to be able to see God. So we convert. Of the bad works, we turn away to God. And that's the equation. That's the objective. That is why you come to this place and we can't preach something that's different. That's the assured portion of life because it's an absolute truth. There's no other way in Scripture. Scripture speaks of repentance. Scripture speaks of conversion to convert. They needed to convert now to Jesus. Look what it says in Acts 3.22 in respect to the conversion. It says, For Moses truly said to the fathers, what did he say? Let us say in a loud voice now, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in what? In all things. Whom? Uh, Jesus. Him you shall hear in all things. That's why it's going to make a click to many that remember that Jesus, when Jesus calls the disciples, he presents himself to the disciples to the resurrection. Jesus says to them of the Great Commission, he goes, go through all the nations and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says something. And teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. So it's to say that Jesus, when he was here on this land, he started to say things. And with the disciples, he was three and a half years almost speaking them of him and of his kingdom. And he starts to say to societies how to behave. He starts to say to the people how to look at the things of sin. He starts to say to the accusers how to behave with respect with the fault of someone. He starts to say to the parents to not stop the children from coming to him. He starts to say that we love everyone and even the enemy. And he says, starts to say that we that we get into things that are illicit, that we don't get into the things that takes us to death. And the Lord Jesus starts teaching and teaching. And what did Moses do many years beforehand? There's going to be one that's going to say many things and follow everything he says. And Jesus didn't send to salvation to get me into rituals, to get me into fulfillments of this or that. No, if something that Jesus taught, it was a word that is called love. Analyze that Jesus says, this new commandment I give you. What is the new commandment? That you love one another as I loved you. So Jesus brought a very powerful doctrine. And that's what they had to understand. That when Jesus arrived, he came to say something. And he said it to those disciples that were there. And those 120 and the word of Jesus, the sayings of Jesus started to spread all over. Many times we want to box Jesus and we want to do the precepts of the Old Testament and do like the Israelites worship Jesus so that I'm holier than thou. No, it's that if you accept Jesus as the son of God and start to do the things that he said to do, that he said that we had to do. Amen. Blessed be the Lord. It's not about precepts. It's not a full moon, a new moon, days or this. No. Or food. No. It's about it's about a love that is so fundamental that he's speaking of there. Of how to do the things. How to worship mother and father. And that conversion then implies obedience. 
Many times people want to repent, but they don't want to obey. So then there's not a repentance. Are you with me? If I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and I recognize that I'm a sinner, the sin hurts me, so I now go to God and when God tells me how to live my life, I have to follow the commands that He's telling me that I have to do. Because if not, then I don't have a new life. Because once you get with Christ, He starts to tell you how to live. Say to the person to your side, don't get scared. And don't get don't go to sleep. Tell them. So the conversion implies obedience. Say obedience, rather, conversion leads to obedience. Say conversion implies obedience. It, we don't like it, my brothers and sisters, but we don't like it. If I say to you, lift your hands, you are lazy and don't do it. Imagine <laughs> that God tells me, oh, let me stop drinking. No, Lord, does the Bible say that? Look, the next Sunday is a preaching that comes with respect with certain things, and I hope that you don't miss it. Let us see. If you're absent, then I'm going to say, oh, they have alcoholic problems. <laughs> and I'm not going to say of all the topics that I'm going to touch upon, because then, then they'll say, oh, no, they're not going to talk that about me. No, on the contrary. Say, no, I'm going to go to learn. I'm going to go to receive. Say to your person, this is for you. This is for you. <laughs> So the apostles started to speak of all the things of Jesus. They started to speak of Jesus in every place. And that's why the new community of Jerusalem, the Christian community, was lifted up with power because they started to do the sayings and live the lifestyle of Jesus. And the people, it says the people had, they had favor of the people. The people wanted to be like them. Because let's say a woman, her name is Anna. No one here is named Anna, no? Yes? Yes, so... Yes, her name is Tertuliana, and Miss Tertuliana is Hebrew. She lived in a way very disorderly, almost like that didn't have husbands, but had six. So the people knew her in that time, and when they spoke to her of Jesus, that woman became became a true lady. She became subject to her body and her emotions, and she stopped putting things on the internet. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's in the next preaching. <laughs> and stop putting her profile and putting uh, her passionate profile with her breast exposed in her photos. So the community that manages the internet in that time, 2,000 years ago. <laughs> How's the woman's name? Tetuliana. <laughs> Miss Tetuliana. Look at Miss Tetuliana. Now we can say, now we can say, Madam Totaliona, look, no more, look. And then the people started to be converted because of the radical change of others. Now the conversion of the others impulse others that wanted to live that holiness. They wanted to change and to fix that fire and that chaos that was in their own community. The fires that was in 
emotional and social levels and at home, they started to convert and they started to get into refreshing times of the church that started 2,000 years ago. And it shouldn't be different our church today, our lifestyle. We can't say never. That's me. Look at Jesus. No, no. Look at Jesus. If you're going to look at me, that I'm the most one that's looking like Jesus. Because we say, put the eyes on Jesus. Because the Bible says, put your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. But in the moment that you identify as a Christian, I'm going to then look at your wall. In the moment that you identify yourself with hallelujah, glory to God, then I'm going to see how you speak. In the moment that you tell me, glory to God, then oh, on the internet, I'm going to see how you behave, how you dress on the photos in the internet. It's a reality. We'll speak about that the following week. So then, what do they have to repent? The Gentile church of that time, Paul started to speak in 1 Thessalonians. He says to, for those in Thessalonica, a Gentile community, chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. It says, For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols. What did they turn away from? From the idols to serve the living and true God, now Jesus, and to wait for his son from heaven. So the second arrival, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers from the wrath to come. Conversion leads to a new action and a new practice. And the Apostle Paul from Galatia gives him a great list in chapter 5, verses 16 to 23 with the following. He says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of what? The lust of the flesh. Because the lust of the flesh is against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you not do the things that you wish. Verse 18. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, verse 19. Now, read it with me, please. Help me, please. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry. Read it in a loud voice. Sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries and the like of which I tell you beforehand just as I also told you in the time past that those who practice such say this with elegance such things will not inherit the kingdom of God for as much that they say hallelujah for as much as they say oh that's for the community from the Israelites for as much as they say that they're from God and they're saying he's saying no they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God if you practice these things. Now he said something though. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control. A conversion takes us Repentance takes us to a conversion, and the conversion takes us to self-control. Are you with me? And that brings as a consequence, quickly, the sins that are blotted out or erased. It says, Peter says to them, 
repent and convert so that you can be what? Your sins can be erased. What were the sins that they committed? That generation, that generation committed the sin of denying Jesus, of rejecting Jesus, of exchanging him for murder and uh, taking him to the cross. What did he say? Repent, convert, change your mentality with respect to Jesus. Now get in with him and your those sins are going to be erased that you've committed. And from the presence of God is going to arrive is refreshing times. So in repentance comes the blotted out sins. And Isaiah 118 says, come now and let us reason together. Says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If something that God wants is that we in our generation, listen well, to that generation, they said those four things to repent of. And in this generation, what do you have to repent from? That's the question today. What does What is God telling you that you have to repent? What is God telling me that I have to leave once and for all? What sin do I have to tell him? Because there's something that he wants. Like that koala and those animals in Australia that somebody came in the middle of that chaos and gave them water, refreshment in the same way. The peace of God. Because the word refreshing, the fourth point, the times of refreshing is comfort so that you could understand. When we're in our sins, in our burnt life, because of the damage that others make us, in the midst of all that, Christ comes. And he comes with his spirit, and he comforts our heart in the midst of that tribulation. If something that God wants to do with your life is to comfort you, is to console you in the midst of the tribulation and problems. But for that, you have to repent and convert. Let me finish with this. And I invite the ministers of worship. Let us finish with this. As a conclusion, did you take the four points? What is the first? Repent. Let us go. The first point is repent. The second is to convert or to turn away. And the third is the sins that are blotted away. The fourth is refreshing times. And the fifth to conclude in Acts is consequences for rejecting this cup of water that heaven is giving us. Forgiveness. This fountain of water that heaven is giving us that is called Jesus Christ. When we reject Jesus Christ and the grace, there is a consequence that's eminent. Don't lose this, church, of knowing this truth. Don't lose this. But people think that they can play with the grace. And there's a lot of doctrines that exist with about grace. But I believe in the grace of God. Totally. And I preach that God saves by grace. But he puts something in us that is called human responsibility. Now we're responsible of what we do with our lives. And that is what Peter is saying to them. You for ignorance denied him and delivered him and exchanged him and killed him by ignorance. But now that he has been revealed to you. Now you have to embrace the idea of Jesus, change your mentality, convert, leave your sins away, and now do everything that he says. And let us see what the word, what did, let's go to Acts chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. And when I say what did Moses said in Acts, is because Peter spoke of Moses in Acts. What if we read it in a loud voice? One, two, and three. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord, your God, will raise for you a prophet like me from your brethren. 
him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. I'm going to say it to you. He's not kidding. This is not a joke. He's not joking. It's a scriptural truth that if we want to erase and that we want to embrace that God loves us, yes, God loves us, yes, of course He loves us. But the Father who loves also reprimands and corrects. And when a child in the house doesn't want the house and doesn't want the house and doesn't subject himself to the house, the Father is there. And the Son makes a determination. If He wants, He leaves. But the love of the Father is there. The Father is not moved in love. The Son despises the son leaves that something else. Any person does the same. We as children of God, the love is there. The grace is there. But we see if we continue embracing it or if we reject it and we reject its teachings, we reject its precepts because Moses wasn't mistaken when he said, and it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Salvation is something very precious. It is a beautiful gift. And I have a peculiarity. They give me a gift. My wife is a witness. I've spoken here. They could give me this gift in a bag. And it could be a year, literally, in that box. I have one or two years shoes in the box. I don't know. I came out a little strange. <laughs> but that's truly something strange. Because they gave me the gift, but I don't use it. Until I open it. Amen. And when I open it, I go, wow. And when I put it on and I use it, I go, wow. All the time that I lost, salvation is a gift. It is a package. But it's of you and me to take and unwrap it and that bow for you and I to embrace us, to live it, and to enjoy it. Because the kingdom of heaven in Christ is lived here. I don't have to die to go and enjoy. In this moment in Christ, I enjoy the kingdom of heaven on this earth. And I want to embrace it. And I want to enjoy it on this land. And I should do it correctly on this land. Then we'll see. But now in this moment on this land, I'm a representative of God. I'm a royal priesthood, a new, a chosen people. For what? To announce the virtues of he that called me from darkness to his marvelous light. Please stand, church. There's a hope. Amen. In the midst of your crisis. And please close your eyes. Please close your eyes. There is hope in the middle of your crisis. There is hope. If you're going through a difficult time, there's hope in Jesus Christ. And if your circumstances don't change, well... Your heart will be changed by the Lord, and then you will see how to deal with that circumstance. Amen. There's, in the midst of your circumstance, God wants to work. There's hope. And if the circumstances don't change, so the mighty God that embraces you can change your mentality with respect to that circumstance. In Him, there's peace. In the midst of chaos, in the middle of difficulty, there's a refreshing time in 
Jesus. This is a refreshing time in Jesus. Please close your eyes and lift your hands. Lord, I place this congregation and my life and my host. I thank you for this word, your word, that invites us to repent. That's to say, Lord, to change our mentality with respect to you, Lord. To convert and turn away and teaching us to abandon the places of death, to embrace the places of life. To not embrace Barabbas, but to embrace you. Your word, Lord, which promises that our sins, the most vile of us, is erased and blotted out and forgiven. And you promise us a new beginning, Lord. In refreshing times, Lord, you promise us consolation in the midst of everything. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for this people. And I bless them in your name. And we worship, Lord, in this moment. What if we give the glory to God in this morning? Blessed be the Lord. Will you lift your hands for a moment? Will you put a hand on your chest and one lifted high? Good God, I bless this people, Lord. I give you thanks for their nobility and for their ears and for being fertile ground, Lord, where this word produces 100-fold, 60, and 30-fold. I bless their thoughts in Christ. I ask that you pass through their hearts continually and that you continue teaching us to all of us, Lord, your word. Beloved Jesus, reveal yourself more and more to all so that you could show us the places that we have to abandon. And we embrace you, Lord, in everything. I cry out for their businesses, for their companies, for their families, for their goods and possessions, for their loved ones, where they may be, that they can be saved and that they grow wherever they be as well. I bless them, Lord, in their exit and entry. I bless their physical bodies and place your healing hand on those that are sick and those that are healthy. Maintain them healthy. But above all, Lord, and all, heal the minds, God, in the name of Jesus. And the church of the Lord says, amen and amen. And let's give the glory to him that lives forever. May God bless you all. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We invite you to look for us in the social networks such as Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Search under the name Dios de Pactos, Florida. We hope this message has edified you. And please share with others. Have a wonderful day.